Join the big show Friday, August 9th from 3 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. That's the Warehouse. Time to talk college football now with Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network's football analyst. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Yogi, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? We're doing well. We saw that you were in, uh, well, you're on the move now, so you're no longer in Utah. But this week, you're hitting a lot of campuses, and you've already hit the Utes. And we saw some of the stuff you put up on uh, social media. You're really positive on them. You're really high on them. And I think Ute fans are wondering, okay, I think they're good, but I don't know if they're that good. And let's start with a passing game. Do you feel like they've got a, a passing game that's good enough to be championship level for them? You know, 250 yards a game, 30 points a game. This defense would be in great shape if they had that to work with. Do you think the offense can provide that? We're going to find out, you know. And I think tomorrow uh, I did a podcast. I'm doing one in every place. Where I talked to Britton Covey legitimately about that in the passing game, and you know, can this team go as far as Tyler Huntley's arm can take them? And I, I think you know the one thing that we don't know because we haven't seen it at least as of late in the Pac-12 is what this offense is going to look like in this conference. Uh, but I will say, after my short snippet of being there yesterday, I'm a I'm a believer um, in this receiving core. You know, I think they they're they're much deeper and much more talented than I think we all generally, we, we all may think. You know, I know for me, I had a kind of question mark around that position group. And after watching him yesterday, um, I don't know if they have like a first rounder. Like they don't have, obviously I'm going to see right now, but I'm a fan of the, of the group, you know, and they compete against every day. And then you watch the system, you know, this is, a, this is an execution-based system in my opinion. You know, this is not, you know, spread them out, find some green grass, get a couple, you know, three or four first downs a game just based on tempo. I, I don't think that's what this offense is. You run, play action pass, et cetera. And I thought Tyler Huntley looked, he looked like a quarterback to me on every level for the first time in my eyes in terms of his stance from under center. You know, kind of an awkward, staggered stance. Look at him now, and he looks like everybody who's been playing under center forever. So I just think there's a comfort level there probably for him that I would imagine. And I do think that this this team, with their ability to run the ball, I was really surprisingly impressed with their offensive line against the defensive line all day yesterday, being able to move the football. I think they'll be just fine. You know, the biggest thing will be, can he be accurate? Um, you know, the two deep balls that he's got a chance at, got to make them. You know, when that happens against UW in a huge game later on in the season against USC at the Coliseum in late September. I mean, those are the things where you can't miss. And I don't think we'll know until we get to the games, but I do, I, I'm confident in the passing attack much more than spring or much more the last couple of years. And a lot of it's based on mechanics and how you know, that, that receiving core looked and, and mechanics of the quarterback. Yeah, I can buy that, particularly as you're comparing to recent seasons. Uh, my thought 
is as you compare it to teams that would make the playoffs because that's ultimately or the playoff the 14 playoff that's ultimately if you're going to put them on that level that's what you're competing against not necessarily themselves from the prior years you also spoke on if they get some breaks which you said every team needs you did a little thing that you put out before you left campus where you said you know the teams that get in the playoff they need breaks what type of breaks would you specifically say that the Utes would need in order to achieve that pretty much dream come true well i think the laundry list is long but one would be health you know and, and they haven't gotten that break the last couple of years at quarterback i can remember the game against arizona a couple of years ago and they're rolling kevin only gets her same deal last year and even though jason shelley you know is the most accomplished backup quarterback in this conference he could argue one of the most accomplished in the country based on this performance um you know, they still struggled moving the ball. And I'd like to think that healthy Tyler Huntley, and maybe that's a different game in the Pac-12 title, you know? As he accounts for seven points a game, you know, I don't know. You know, against UW's defense, but I don't think it's crazy to think that he does. So I think that's the biggest one. But I think the ball also has to bounce their way a couple more times, you know? Special teams, turnovers, you know, things like that that just kind of happen. You know, you look at Clemson last year, and, Chase Bryce having to come in against Syracuse and a running back just makes some plays and things happen, the penalty here or there. So those are the things I think every team gets bailed out on. And, and that's why I think this team has a chance to be a CFP team. You, know, you look back in history, and I think we think college football, and, and I know I do, and I think of Tua and his touchdown coming in in overtime. You know, I think of Trevor Lawrence. But, and then we forget about some of the other quarterbacks, like JT Barrett. And JT Barrett, it's not like he was, uh, and I love JT, one of the things he was in high school, but he and Tyler Huntley, I think they're good comps, you know, in terms of not like the most ridiculous uh, uh, passers, you know, but a nice dual threat quarterback, but more of a passer than a runner. You know, I think there's where areas where you can say, yeah, they got an elite defense. And I've been on the sideline for CFP games. This looks like a CFP defense. They've got an offensive line that looks like a college football playoff offensive line in my opinion. They have one of the top running backs in the country. They've got enough capable receivers um, that I think can play at that level and win against, you know, elite DBs from other conferences. Um, So it'll be, you know, it'll be a small margin for error, but I don't think it's, it's overhyped. You know, if you go back and you do this, I save all the preseason SI covers, you know, for the last decade or so. And I think back to like UCLA on the cover with Brent Hundley, USC on the cover with Sam Darnold, you can kind of go down across this conference, Khalil Tate last year, and they were all sexy at the quarterback position, but they weren't, you know, in other areas that really lead to championship football. And Utah is, you know, and that, that's why I think they've got the ability and capability to represent the Pac-12 conference and be a legitimate, legitimate CFP team. You know, they got to prove it, but the focus I saw yesterday after talking to some of the players, you know, here we talked to Julian Blackman and Jalen Johnson together. Um, it was awesome, man. Like they, they, they're saying all the right things, and I, the actions to me backed it up. And uh, you know, I can't wait to see how it plays on the field. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network analyst, joined us here. How much separation is there between Utah, Oregon, and Washington at the top of the conference? Because there wasn't much in the preseason media poll. These preseason power rankings and polls we're seeing—they're all ranked between 11 and 15. It looks like. Do you see any separation? Well, I would add, you know, three more teams. I'd add Stanford, I'd add Washington State, and I'd add SC. 
because everybody's beating each other, kind of. You know, Washington State's beating Stanford and Oregon. I think Oregon since 2015 and Stanford since 2016 and something like that. You know, you look at obviously UW's dominance over some of those teams. Um, the Oregon beat UW last year. I think SC is like the sneaky team in this conference. And none of us would be surprised if Stanford won the Pac-12 North. So I think, you know, you look at those teams, they're really competitive. And a couple other teams can knock you off. Cal being one of them who's done it. Khalil when he's healthy. You know, they could be scary. Arizona State, I mean, I'm going to get to see them tomorrow. But, you know, they'll have the ability to play mistake-free football with a really talented defense. So I, I think the margin in this conference isn't that great in terms of the top teams that you referenced. Um, but I do think that has dynamic defensive front. And I always go to, like, how many next-level players do you have? And when I can remember going back back in the day when I was at SC now, but every starter found their way to an NFL training camp. And I look at the defense of Utah, and I think every starter will get to an NFL training camp. You know, at least that we project. You know, even, you know, whoever wins the cornerback spot. Like Josh Nurse looks exactly like you dreaming up the corner. You know, I think everybody's going to get to your camp. Some will be first-round picks, like Bradley and I and Jalen Johnson. Some will maybe be second-round picks. Maybe Julian Blackman. I'm sure he could play his way into one or the other. Uh, They're real in that regard. You know, I think when you look at some of the other teams, every position, at least on one side of the ball, I don't know if it's like that or if you project that right now, but I'd say with real confidence. Who wouldn't? You know, even Devin Lloyd, he looked exactly like they're supposed to look at that position. And Kyle and I talked about that yesterday around him kind of assuming that starting spot based on the early retirement from Manny Bowen. So I I think that Utah, I'd give them the edge on the defensive side. I think offensively, for me, you know, SC's always going to have ridiculous power. You know, I think they get the best receiving core in the conference, at least the top four, and then Washington State is the best receiving core top to bottom in the conference in terms of having six, eight guys that are real. So you can kind of make an argument at a bunch of different position groups on the other, on the offensive side of the ball, but overall, you know, senior veterans, you know, played a lot of ball, played in big games, chip on the shoulder. I go back to Kyle, he developed this program, you know, in, in a beautiful way that I think is a blueprint for success. You know, it wasn't, Let's go get a bunch of quick fixes. Let's go try to get a bunch of four-star kids that miss on them and we become Washington State in 2002, 2003. And that happened to them when they won the Holiday Bowl over Texas. They got into the finalists for a bunch of four-star kids. We didn't get any. And the program went to a dark place for a couple of years. So I just love the consistency, how they built it. You know, the backbone of this team is strong. And I think they're, they're, they're positioned to, to do what, you know, some of us have you know, projected them to do this year. So you've been both a player and a coach at a high level. Uh, how do you like playing a rival game right off the bat as opposed to maybe what Utah has done historically? Not always, but most of the time they have an easier game that first game. I think it's, it's really interesting. You know, we got our research department looking it up, but the only last time you played a, an opponent at the end of the year and then kicked it off again with them. You know, it hasn't happened very often. I can't imagine, at least, you know, in my mind in college football. You know, I love it. I think it's great uh, for the game. I think it's great for this program. You know, last year was so awkward with having clinched the South and having to play BYU in a game that nationally 
it kind of didn't even matter because it's not like Utah was going to the college football playoff, and if they won the Pac-12, they'd go to the Rose Bowl. It's kind of one of those weird games, um, and and it was a weird game to watch, you know. And I think you know, I wonder what the players would say, but it just seemed funky. Even when you talk to people around the program about that week, um, just the timing of it. So, so I love this. I think for Utah historically, you know, I called a lot of the opening games, and you know, whether it's North Dakota, year you know, and it was Weber State, like, they're kind of close, you know, so I think it's great for, you know, training camp focus, and they're going to have to come out of the gate, you know, and clearly it's going to be an emotional night, and all the stuff that the rivalry is that you guys know better than I, but, you know, kind of grew up just watching this game every year, and I, I think it's good, I think it's great when, you know, big-time teams have big-time games to kick off the season, and this is one of them, so I, I love it. Uh, it, it definitely competes against in a good way, guys getting complacent and reading how good they are. And I think this team in this era, Coach Whittingham or Chris Peterson, David Shaw, they always say the same thing, like, we can't get away from the hype, so we just got to talk about it and deal with it. And I think it helps to deal with it when you got a legit opponent week one that, you know, was handling you for, you know, the better portion of a game a year ago. You know, it wasn't a couple freak plays um, and then a great comeback. You know, BYU gets offset in that ball game, so I, I love this matchup for for Utah in terms of the timing. Would you advise West Coast teams to play football games at nine a.m. or Mountain Time Zone teams to play football games at ten a.m.? I think I would advise uh, teams if they were going to do it. I'd want to do it if I was an early morning practice team. You know, I, I think you know the, the rhythms of our body is real. All the science and would support that. Um, so I think you know early to practice in the afternoon uh, but I wouldn't want to do something where you know, it was a competitive disadvantage and, and I think that's the biggest thing with this deal is that uh, you know number one it was a great discussion point which has created a ton of dialogue and then two no team's ever going to be forced to do it so I think all the coaches would kind of look at all things considered and say yeah this is best for our program they look at Utah and I don't know their record at night but I know it's crazy at home in terms of beneficial uh, day games and the kind of middle of the road. You know, I've called a couple of their upset losses over the last couple of years during the day. So I'd be curious kind of where the staff nets out. I think as a coach, you love early games because Saturday is kind of like your only day with your family when the game's over. So you get to shut it down, and coaches would want to play at 8 a.m. if they could. But I think when you look at all the things in college football, um, you know, regarding performance, I would go with, you know, what's best for the kids and what are they used to. And then the other thing I would add that doesn't get a lot of uh, play is the night before the game. And I think this year you're going to see it in college football. I know a team in the Pac-12 is going to do it and take away the phones from the kids after the final team meeting. Just because of all the blue light, just keeps them up. You know? And I think you know, sleep has become a, a vogue topic, and rightfully so, in terms of its impact on performance. So I, I think there's something around that, too, in terms of just making sure guys are rested. So whether they have to wake up at you know, 5 a.m. or whatever the time would be based on the early kickoff. You know, they weren't, you know, scrolling through Instagram at 11.30 at night, but legitimately shutting their bodies down and not putting things around their body or their brain that can keep them up. And clearly the, the, the one of the negatives of the cell phone. So you listed, when we were talking about potential contenders, you extended the list out to about five or six teams and all can make legitimate cases for winning their respective divisions. I wanted to ask you about those other five or six teams 
that are out there in the conference, and some of them are all the South teams, but a team like Cal in the North that is on Utah's schedule. How good do you think these lesser teams can be in terms of possibly pulling off an upset? Well, good, because I think, you know, I think players are human, you know. Quarterbacks are human, you know. Quarterback, you know, Taylor Huntley's not going to go all season long in every game throw for 70% completion percentage. He's going to have a game that's, you know, he doesn't play well. It just happens at every level, uh, at every stage of football. And, you know, you look at a game like Cal, and, you know, granted, it's at home, which is huge for Utah in terms of going up against, you know, one of the better defenses in this conference. And scheme-wise, you know, what Coach Wilcox does is he really tries to make everybody play left-handed. So he'll make Tyler Huntley have to win that ball game. He'll make that that receiving core, whether it's three guys or an eight-man rotation, he's going to make them have to win and win against an NFL secondary. I mean, we talk about Utah and UW secondary all the time, rightfully so, but Cal is not that far behind. You know, they're not as elite, but Cameron Bynum, you know, Hawkins, Ashton Davis, you know, they're real dudes. Elijah Hicks, like, they're at, they're next-level players as well. Uh, so that that's a circle game in terms of that. That's going to be hard uh, just for Utah based on where it's at. And you look at that stretch of games for them with UW coming up the following week, you know, even Oregon State, ASU, Cal, like, those three should be locks for Utah, but they'll be they'll be challenging, you know, just because at Oregon State it always is, you know, especially if they steal possessions running the football, which is what Oregon State does at times. ASU, you know, Benjamin, uh, I was having a dialogue with somebody on the sideline yesterday, like, who would you take, Eno or Zach Moss? And that's a real discussion. You know, Eno is so shifty. He's so good on inside zone runs and finding little creases that he can, he's going to make it hard. You know, on those linebackers throughout throughout that ball game. So, I think your point's really well said, and I hope it gets echoed. You know, around the country because, you know, all too often, I think it's easy to say, "Well, big non-conference games, and that's all that matters in the Pac-12." And and if you don't go undefeated, you're not going to get a four seed in the playoff. And I think that's a crock. You know, like, I think that's totally uh, inconsiderate to the schedule of games and where the games lay out, and you know, the reality of the middle of this conference. It's I think much more talented in the middle of majority of conferences around the country. And I hope that the 13 member committee recognizes that because you look at every team goes through their window, you know, for Bama, it's when they play Tennessee or Ole Miss and they get a lot of hype around those games um, because maybe is it an upset, you know, probably way more hype than a Cal versus Utah game could potentially get. But I look at those very similarly in terms of big time opponents against teams that are really respected in the conference. Maybe not as much around the country. So are you still in the honeymoon phase of the first year of the marriage? Oh, yeah, man. You know, look, <laughs> I walked into that thing with huge expectations <laughs> and huge. I, I never knew, knew if I was ever going to make that, you know, that call on my call sheet. And <laughs> it's exceeded it by 10x. So, you know, it's, it's way harder being away than I thought. I'm only in day three of this training camp tour and you know, I got 11 more stops, you know, including this morning. So I'm, I'm going to keep it moving. But uh, I think my schedule is going to allow the honeymoon phase to – I think it's going to extend, like, to the Rose Bowl because I'm going to be gone three or four days a week. Okay, yeah, I see Really what you're every week of the rest of the season. Yeah. So I think uh, my timing you – know, I'm pumped. Like, uh, the Jeff Rudy and me, the director of ops, is, yeah. you know, proud of the, 
the day of the wedding, the date, and uh, I think I'll be able to get the most out of the honeymoon phase as humanly possible. No, you get a you get a honeymoon extension with the separation due to the work travel. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I hope so. I'll let you. If not, then uh, I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to figure that out. So but in other words, she's, she's she won't awesome. she won't get sick of you because you'll be gone. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Okay, that's right. right. That, that that's the idea. I got it. I understand your optimism. You're an optimistic guy, Yogi. <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling you this, and this is a fact. You can mess things up while you're on the road. So you got to be on your game at all times. It's a different kind of game. Sometimes you're running the clock. Sometimes you're in the two-minute drill. you still got to be mm-hmm. on your game. I like that. That's what I'm going to call her right after this. Getting there you go. That's what I'm talking. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Yogi. All right, guys. Thank you. Have a great day. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. I mean, obviously, people could say you've always been in the two-minute drill. bada bing. <laughs> I saw you over there. I knew you were going there. You were cracking yourself up while I was still, oh, the body's so love to the zone. What was that? <laughs> you were doing What's that? I was doing a radio rap of the interview thing, and I look at PK, and I'm like, time reference. He's about to go. <laughs> <laughs> could you re- you could never reincarnate that what you just did. But it's a long DJ and PK gliding into the air chair. Mounds of sounds of stacks of wax. More static for your attic. More wetted for your cottage. All right. When we come back, break that down. Was that too much positivity for you? Or was it right on the button? You get some realism. I think that was more realistic than what he put out. I have no problem with what he said. I thought that was a little Neapolitan ice cream because you know everything's food with me, especially dessert. There's a little, uh, there's a little vanilla. There's a little strawberry. There's a little chocolate. There's some positivity there. There's some of what he there, said. I bought more than what okay. He, than there's the other one stuff he said. thing that caused me to raise my eyebrow more than the other stuff. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 the zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. University of Utah announced their men's basketball program has been placed on probation for two years by the NCAA for impermissible recruiting activities during a seven-day period in April of 2018. The university self-imposed a $5,000 fine and recruiting restrictions. Associate head coach Tommy Connor was given a one-year show cause order and served a one-week suspension last November while also being prohibited from off-campus recruiting last month. Miami Heat forward Udonis Haslam returned to the franchise for a 17th season on a veteran's minimum deal. 39-year-old Haslam has played every year of his career in Miami. Major League Baseball, the Dodgers take down the Cardinals 3-1. Clayton Kershaw improves to 11-2 on the mound this season. And the Diamondbacks beat the Phillies 8-4. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Homie. Buying or selling a home? Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. 
is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Donovan Mitchell playing with Team USA. I'm good with him playing what'll be the most six games. Good six competitive games. Get him some good run out there. Get him some some game time experience to get ready for this upcoming season. I think this is great that he's in a position where there's responsibility on his shoulders to win. I like the fact that that challenge is up against Donovan Mitchell. I like that he's facing that challenge. And it's better than most of what you see in the NBA preseason. Higher competitive True. play. I like that. Yeah. Then you're going to get against the Adelaide 36ers. Donovan doesn't get as big of a tune-up in those games as he might in the FIBA. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the Zone and ARUP Friday, August 9th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at ARUP at 9786 South, 500 West in Sandy. Come save a life and donate some blood. It only takes 30 minutes, and you will receive a Megaplex gift card, popcorn voucher, and jazz gear. We just had Yogi Roth on, and we played some stuff early in the morning that was uh, really upbeat and uh, talking about the Utes in the playoff. And he didn't back away from that. He still talked about the Utes in the playoff. But I thought the way he talked about it was more, well, it's a possibility, not a probability. I don't have a so problem with that. that. That's fine. He did get into, when I asked him about how much separation was there with Oregon and Washington, he's like, well, throw in Washington State and Stanford and USC, too. Which gets us back to something we've discussed a gazillion times since the youth joined the Pac-12, and that is the depth of the league, the middle of the league can trip you up. I've been saying that for years. I know. I know. And I think Washington State should be thrown in there. Washington State has beaten Utah four times in six years, and the other two years they didn't play. So that's a problem for the Utes. I'm not so sure about SC. That's a wait and see. And then Stanford in between those? Of the three, you'd say Washington State one, Stanford two, USC three. Or in this case... The way most people rank them, four, five, six, you just like Wazoo better than four. I do. Right. Because off the preseason stuff, they'd be five or six. Exactly. I mean, Stanford oh, yeah. was picked third in the division. They were picked fourth. Right. That's right. And then Mike Leach saw that and got right in front of all the cameras and all the microphones and said, we're 11-2, and two, and we got a lot of guys who have a chance to improve and be better than they were last year, so we have a chance to be better. I mean, better. the next day, we had Starbucks and a Danish, and we talked about it. Really? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I get that. I think the one thing that I would be a little bit hesitant in what Yogi was saying is pumping up the receivers. I can't keep pumping them up and then not seeing the production there. I I just can't do it. Just like I can't pick BYU to beat Utah because all I know is what I see. You've been consistent with that. I think I'm going to see what I'm, I'm going to continue to see what I have been seeing. I mean, what's the difference this year? Just because they're a year older? Yes. This group is going to mature better than the previous groups. The only ones I could say, the only one I could say that I buy on that is... Nakua? No. Oh, no. Not not guys who are juniors and seniors. Well, I thought because he improved from his freshman to sophomore year, you thought he would improve. Who you got? Enos. Because? Because he was a freshman. So I haven't seen three years of the same thing. Now, I love Covey as much as the next guy. But I just don't know that I can count on somebody so small to play 12 games. Especially when they're out to get him. He is a marked man without question. Yes. He's made too many big plays now. Right. And you look at him and you think, oh man, I could really harm him. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it was clear in that Washington game last year. Not saying Washington was doing anything dirty, but they, but they just were gonna, had a they target were, on him. They were going to hit him and wear him down. Yeah. And it turned out he tore his And ACL. it was painful. No, I'm yeah. talking about Washington in the regular season. Oh, okay. In the regular season, that was a painful game to watch. He took a lot of hits. Yeah. And he was just – and they, the adrenaline is like pumping. like, oh, I can lay into this guy, and I'm not going to get hurt. Only he's going to get hurt. Whereas if I laid in an Akeel Harry, I might come away with a concussion myself. <laughs> I might separate my shoulder. Right. And so they never had that fear because of his size. So now I'm expected to have that carry them, and maybe they can do it. But right now, I have all sorts of apprehension, particularly when I hear that they're going to run the ball more than ever, and they're going to be under center more than ever. That just leads to believe me that they're going to rely on, and if that run game is powerful enough, and then they, and then Yogi's saying, well, they got to hit when the opportunity's there. Okay, Washington State, you know they're going to hit. They may not hit for seven consecutive drives, and then the next four, boom. They're just all over the place. Here, they're only going to get fewer opportunities, but they're supposed to hit on them? Efficiency, PK. That's the word. Are they going to be more efficient? If they can be, if they get Dixon behind, they better hit him. But if you're only taking, if you take the fewer shots you take, the less chance you have to hit, I think. Maybe I'm off. So I have my skepticism, recognizing that I come in as a skeptical guy from day one. Okay, so you just brought up a receiver and who could improve, and you said, well, Solomon, it's because he was a freshman, and now as a sophomore, let's see what he gets. So some people would say, well, what about Jalen Dixon? He's a freshman, sophomore, but I assume you're picking the 6'3 guy over the 5'9 guy. Yeah. Right. We're looking for a big-time guy. Dixon gave him big plays. Steve Smith was 5'9 at Utah. Was he a big-time guy? Steve Smith was a very big time guy at Utah. I mean, he won games for them. Right. He didn't have he didn't have a very good offense around him. And look what he did in the NFL. Then he blew up. Yeah. I mean, he was he was really good at Utah, but not to the point you thought he'd be that good in the so NFL. So how many five nine guys do that? Not a lot. Right. No. I mean, it's, and especially, he did it, and especially because because he was all that. Yeah, you're going back 15, 20 years to Steve Smith. I think with 20. Dixon, yeah. hit. And Dixon's value may not be literal in statistics. But just because he's on the field, he opens things up. You have to account for him. You have to account for him getting behind you. And so that could create stuff underneath that he doesn't get any credit for, but he's helping you win games. That's what matters. Yeah, you want a kid like him on the team. I just don't know that a 5'9 kid... There's very, very few 5'9 kids that I'm going to roll out as being the number one guy. Steve Smith is one of those guys, but he's an exception. And in, in, in my mind, he's a Hall of Famer. You, those guys, they just don't grow on trees. There's just not that many of them. And Huntley is a senior this year, and he was playing better last year. And everyone wants to go back to October, but outside of Stanford, who finished 7-5, and five, the other three were Arizona, UC Los Angeles, and SC. That's losing record, losing record, and losing record. And, and Stanford he, was seven and five. And he threw for two hundred yards in a couple of those wins. I think. Oh, was he a, was awesome against Arizona and Stanford. Yeah. His percentages were off the charts. Yeah. You'll take that every single game. 
But my point is, those those weren't the better teams. You need some blowouts along the way, and and so that's good. And you figure you're going to blow out the teams that have the losing records in the bottom half of the conference. But if we're talking conference championship and playoff, yeah. you're still talking about making big plays when you have the chance in big games. Against the best teams. Right. Yeah, they're going to be good. And they had first and goal against Washington and couldn't put it in the end zone. <sighs> no. Dang that, it. I know. That defense is gone. Will they put another good defense in its place? The Huskies you're speaking of? Yeah. Uh, I think they can get the Huskies up there this year. That'd be good. Yeah. I'm more worried about Washington State. You should be. You should be very worried about Washington State. They haven't beaten Washington State in seven years. I know they didn't play for a couple of years, but still. But yet Washington State hasn't beaten Washington in six years. And, and so you got all this Yogi, stuff, this circular Yogi, thing. Yeah, Yogi alluded to that. And it seems to be matchups or whatever. And one team's kryptonite for Yeah, that's why team, I don't understand. But, oh, the schedule really works in Utah's favor. I'm like, what? Why? They don't play Stanford, who they always beat. And they play Cal, who gives them all sorts of trouble. And they don't play Oregon. I think that's the thought is they don't play Stanford and Oregon, who pretty much yeah, spent a do, decade being in the top it, third of the league. If you're a playoff team, you will play Oregon. Because it's not about just winning the conference. Well, it's about assuming, winning the playoff, getting to the playoff. Win, assuming they win their division two, which they're picked to. And if they don't, that means you're playing a team better than Oregon. So how's it a big advantage of not playing Oregon? Because it'll be Stanford and you own them. <laughs> Wait, you're not playing Stanford. Dang it. I think, I think the point is, how many big games are there on their schedule? Three? Nine. Four? Nine? <laughs> They're all big games. Well, when you, when this Oregon is State, your goal... Minus Colorado. Yeah, you can't slip up. Well, you every can, you, game. Maybe you can slip up one time. Yeah, you might get in 11-1. If this is your goal... 12-1. The rest of the teams in the South, with the exception of SC, the other four, you're trying to get bowl eligible. Doesn't matter how you do it. So you can take, you can go up to Washington and get hammered. Whoop the freaking do. Utah can't do that. Right. So every game is huge. Some games are going to be tougher than others, but every one of them with the goal being what it is. How many, okay, so instead of big games, how many quality opponents do they have on their schedule? Quality being a nebulous term. Yeah, because quality could be, they're not necessarily quality through nine, but that particular Saturday, they're quality. Right. And Cal may not be quality on both sides of the ball, but they're going to be quality. quality They're going to be quality on one side, for sure. See, Cal is my classic Pac-12 team. Mm -hmm. Middle of the conference. Nobody really knows about them outside of us, but I think Wilcox is building... He's doing something. Their defense will be really good. Their offense can't be worse. And they beat Washington last year, and you lost to them twice with a crappy offense. Their offense ain't going to be any worse. Now, maybe maybe actually it is. They don't because have Laird. Laird. Yeah, right. maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But, but when you're winning 12, They weren't scoring any points with Laird. You're 12-10. and 10. When you're winning 12-10... to 10, I think Cal's going to be a tough game. And maybe they work them. And it's, but, it's true, although Stanford's had the best results in the league in the conference since it went to 12. I mean, they've won their division four times. They've won the conference three times. The Utes have a better record against Stanford than they have against Cal. Yeah. They're 3-1 and one against Stanford. They're 2-2 two and two against Cal. 
Right. That's what I'm. So how is got, that a big advantage? Got worked once, which might not matter anymore. That was a long time ago. The program, the Ute program's in a different place. Oh, it totally is. Yeah, yeah. And then another time they went to Cal and completely messed it up. The home teams won all four games in that series. The Utes actually went to Stanford and won once. That was the game when... No, I guess they won twice. They, missed, they lost here to Stanford, didn't they? The loss to Stanford was a home game, wasn't it? Because they won an overtime game out there. And then they won big last year. Yeah, last year they, last yeah. year was, last year was their best win of the season. Unless I'm missing somebody. Am I missing anybody? I think that was their best, their best win was at Stanford that first week in October. They just dominated start yeah. to finish. Just toyed with them the entire game. Stanford was in a bad stretch at that point. So that, that wasn't a quality opponent at the time, which is sure, interesting. But it sure looks big. But Love was on the sideline in street clothes that night. Right. Yeah. He didn't even dress for the game. No. No, they, they got nothing. And I, yeah. and I was taking guys and chucking them like they were No, ragdolls. Utah got up big, and then Stanford rallied to make it a close game, and Utah just pulled away again. I think Stanford got within a score briefly, but it didn't last. Right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Uh, coming up, Riley Jensen's going to join us in studio in about uh, 20 minutes. So we're going to win tickets Wednesday next. Your chance to win fabulous tickets. We'll send you somewhere. You'll find out where next. Stay with us. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on Bob. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's time for Win Tickets Wednesday. We got four tickets to the Heart Love Alive Tour. You saw an amphitheater will be rocking when Heart brings their Love Alive Tour with special guests Joan Jett and the Blackhearts and Ellie King to town August 30th. You will not want to miss this show. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com or win them right here on The Zone. This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday. 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 Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. And you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. That's the number to call right now. Be caller 12, and Yak will set you up with some tickets to the concert. So you uh, were discussing earlier in the show, we've spent a lot of time talking Utes today. And you know, we've talked a lot about the Utes this summer. Hit BYU pretty hard after their media day, but not much since then. You got anything you're thinking about BYU now a few days into camp? Uh, outside of I love them deeply. Exactly. Something you want to talk about? Something you want to pass along to your fellow Cougar Club members? Well, it's going to be sort of ironic, but keep the faith. Oh, nice. Well played. Well played. <laughs> At this point, why not? Why wouldn't you? If you don't have hope now, when will you? Yeah. You should. This is your time to have it, is it not? Everybody's undefeated. If you're not feeling good now, when will you? Yeah. 
So I think they should feel a Cougar, sense of... Cougar fans start tweeting us, uh, well, when they walk off the field after beating Utah, that would be the time. What would be the time? For what? To win the opener, to feel good about the team. Of course. Yes, I mean, that's extremely important for these guys. This game is just massive. Massive for these guys. I couldn't imagine their fan base having to go through another loss and have to wait for another year. And then, not only that, but watch the hype build. That would bother me big time. But at the same time, they have an opportunity to have all sorts of success, even with a loss in that first game. Had plenty of big games left, plenty of winnable games left. Yeah. But it's the one they want the most. No question. But all is not lost if you do not win that game. Nor is all won if you win that game, but that doesn't really matter. Because in the moment, that is gigantic. And if you, and I'll ask any BYU fan, you start one and three, which one do you want? (laughs) Utah. We don't really need to go on with that, do we? Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Would people think otherwise? Do you want USC because you're recruiting in LA? Well, speak for the BYU fan. I think they want Utah. <laughs> there. I did it. All right. Every BYU fan, would you agree with that? If, if you can only win one ball game in the first month, which one are you taking? Utes. Okay. And you would have to deal with the disappointment and thinking, well, we're going to be 2-2 two and two for sure now, which sets us up for 8-4 and four in a good year, and then you'd be 1-3. and three. So yeah, there would could be some, happen. There'd be some disappointment there if you beat the Utes and lose three in a row. Yeah, it could happen, though. A bitter after. It's not, it's not beyond the realm. It's very much within the realm that they could be 1-3 and three going into October. All right, when we come back, college football with Riley Jensen. Talk about his Aggies. What he thinks of the Utes' chances of winning the Pac-12 and where the Cougars are going. Are they taking down the Utes in that opener? Riley's coming up next. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.